Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. In the blue corner, weighing approximately 220 pounds, slightly portly, with a bit of a limp, but strong as hell, JT Tenasty. And in the red corner, slightly taller, standing at approximately six foot, weighing 185 pounds, with the thickest neck you've ever seen, Joseph Worthington. Hello, great to be here, ready to smash. 185 pounds, appreciate that little fucking jibe. It's just because I'm real heavy right now. I was trying to give you credit, bro. Like you're lean. You well, yeah, I wouldn't be 200 at least. I'm like 92 kilos at the moment right now. I didn't now. know that. Sorry, I apologize. At the moment right now. Oh, at the moment right <laughs> now. <laughs> Sorry, people. Uh, it's one of those things. Joe likes to make fun of me for being fat and I like to make fun of him for being skinny and neither of which is true. Um, today we are talking about the strength continuum. What does this mean? We're going to talk about the three major types of of strength you can have or strength training practices. So we're going to talk about maximal strength, getting strong with the lower reps. We're going to talk about hypertrophy, building muscle, that kind of mid-range of sets and reps. Then we're going to talk about the upper end. We're talking about strength endurance, which is typically not what's talked about and it's it's pretty tough training. And uh, we use this in Bulletproof and it gets used all around the world, all these different types of training. But we're going to break down what are the different types and how they apply to you? So what is the right tool for the job for you? And I thought we would start with strength because this is what we like. We're talking strength 101, the lower reps, the higher weights. Let's go there. Yeah, um, this question gets asked a lot by people in our program. They're like, oh, which, you know, which, which program should I choose? Um, we, used to have, we used to have that our, our original program was Gym Strength Foundation. Yes. And it had six training cycles, or it had more, it had like 12 training cycles, right? Yeah. But it was two cycles of strength and a cycle six weeks, but it was two cycles of strength and then two cycles of hypertrophy and then two cycles of muscular endurance, right? Yes. And then it, would, and it was really nice how it cycled like that. That's right. Because you do 12 weeks focusing on one thing and then 12 weeks on another, et cetera. But anyway, since we did the app, um, we redesigned those programs. We now have split them into three separate programs. A lot of people ask, which one's best for me? And so that was kind of partly the catalyst for this conversation. But then also realizing that for a lot of our listeners, um, obviously for those of you who are like really into the strength training and have that background, this will be very basic information for you. But for the standard jiu-jitsu player who's like, hey, I just want to get a bit stronger and do a bit of gym work to support what I'm doing on the mats, this stuff's probably new to you and it's really handy to understand because – it's just you understanding strength training better. And I think we can agree if, if you understand it better, you'll get more from it. Definitely. Right. And, and I think the challenge here is we're very visual creatures as humans. We look at someone and they go, yo, that guy looks strong. And what they're saying is that guy looks muscular. And really the misunderstanding around strength in terms of maximal strength is it's a type of coordination. And some people are good at certain movements so, for example, we, we, we've talked about the different kinds of strength before, but we talked about, say, like a power lifter is really good at squatting, doing bench press, doing deadlift, but if you get them to do a pull-up, they might suck because their, their, their relative strength is not good. They're not good at moving their own body weight, whereas a gymnast is really good at 
moving their own body weight better than anyone, but they may not have the big deadlift. The reason why we're talking I about you, they do. Hey, they, you, no, have they you seen those do. tests they've done with gymnasts and bench press? Yes, and they're fucking strong, they're killer strong. But, but yeah, your point still makes sense. No, but the reason why I want to uh, kind of riff on this a little bit is because there's a lot of uh, gym bros out there who look like pretty buff, and they've done really well at building muscle, but it doesn't mean that they're particularly strong. No. The reason why we care about strength is uh, – I actually learned this from a guy called Charles Staley. He's like one of the smartest SNC guys in the world. He was talking about the order of athletic skills. And right down at the bottom is cardiovascular endurance. Why? The reason it's the lowest order skill is because it's the easiest thing to improve and it – also goes away the quickest. So it comes and it goes. You can get it quicker, but it goes away quicker. The highest order athletic skill is maximum 1RM strength. Why is this at the top? Because it has knock-on effects, like flow-down effects, to every athletic skill. If you improve your 1RM strength, your power will be better. If you improve your 1RM strength, your agility will be better. Like all the other skills below it will improve because of it. So his argument was, you give me any athlete of any sport, if I can make them stronger, their maximal strengths like, improve, they will be a better athlete. And when I, once I learned that, I really unlocked it for me. I was like, oh, wow, that's really – that's quite impressive. To, the fact that he knows that and he's been in the game for you know, 20, 30 years, I was like, right, that's a really good takeaway. So we all know in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, when you are rolling someone who's stronger than you, how hard is it? It's, it doesn't matter. Even if – they are, you know, even if you're a black belt and they're, they're a white belt, if someone is insanely strong, it's very hard to do much to them, uh, even if your skill factor is much higher. So um, what we're talking about in terms of developing strength, usually it's referred to as a percentage of RM, which is repetition maximum. So what is the heaviest weight you can lift? Now, without getting too heavy into that, no pun intended. No pun intended. No, not really. Um, <laughs> well, essentially, you don't need to be doing your one rep max every single day to get stronger. What we've learned and what we know about strength training is you can work in this nice little sweet spot between, say, 75 and 85%. So what does that mean? If, for example, you can squat 100 kilos, let's just say hypothetically, 70% uh, of that would be? 70 kilos you can work at 70 kilos over time and build up your sets and reps to a point that your 1rm which is your 100 kilos will actually be higher so when you come back to retest it you will be stronger and it's much safer for you to work in that sweet spot of the kind of 75 to 85 percent intensity you're much less likely to hurt yourself the other great thing about this is as you are developing your strengths with these kind of lower reps and slightly heavier weights, you are training your nervous system. This is a kind of um, coordination, as I was saying before. It's a skill that you develop. So by taking the time and attention to get better with these heavier weights, we say heavier, it's all relevant to what you can handle, uh, you will ultimately get better at everything else by improving your nervous system efficiency of sorts. So to give you, the listener, like a visual kind of uh, understanding of this, there's a, a diagram called the repetition continuum, which essentially it looks like uh, you got a line on the bottom, that whatever that axis is, 
and it starts at zero and this is the, the repetition, starts at zero reps and it goes all the way up. Let's say it goes up to 20 reps. Sure. And so what we're talking about is uh, there are different, different facets of your strength that are developed along different parts of that line, right? So right now let's talk about this kind of – let's talk about this maximal strength realm – which we're really in the kind of one to five, one to six reps, right? Yeah. So the repetitions are low. And what that means is if, if, if this is to be work, then the weight needs to be high. Yes. Right? And this zone is where you are going to be building more or less your maximal strength. Now, the example you just gave was to say that you don't necessarily actually have to be there only to develop strength. Yes. You will get stronger anywhere. Even if you're doing upwards of 20 reps, you still are going to be getting stronger. But if your goal is purely to increase strength, mm. the most effective place to do that based on the science shows us that it's at this low rep range. Yep. And I was going to say, this will appeal to you. Say you're a jiu-jitsu player and you're trying to stay in a weight category. You can get really strong without getting bigger. This is a misconception. So if you look at, uh, say, Olympic weightlifting and you look at some of the lightweight uh, female competitors, they don't look – I mean, they look kind of They're big. small. They're small. They're small humans. Yeah. But the guys can, too, they're all small. They can like move those lower weight divisions. big weight and they move it fast. And this is coordination. Now, there's a thing which uh, people don't necessarily understand, which is a thing called muscle density. And you might look at the person and be like, that guy's dense. Uh, solid but actually so there's a thing uh there's myofibril hypertrophy and there's sarcoplasmic hypertrophy so the analogy that uh was taught to me is like if you think of a a, a, a straw holder if you still have single-use plastic straws where you are scumbags it's um, <laughs> throwback but um just think of a, like a tube in this way and there's only like three or four straws in there that's not much muscle density when you lift heavy you will pack more myofibrils into the same amount of space. Therefore, you've got more to work with, more firepower. So even though you don't look big, you will have the strength of someone far heavier than you. Whereas um, sarcoplasmic hypertrophy is where you get better at getting more liquid into the cell, not necessarily more muscle fibers, more myofibrils, I should say. So that's the thing. That's where we get more into hypertrophy. So, yeah, you can be... If you're a lightweight person and you're trying to stay in your weight category, strength training can really help you. Yeah, so, you know, we're talking lower repetitions, we're talking heavier weights. Now, uh, and if you, if you come from the strength realm or if you've been influenced by powerlifting or, you know, the, the strength kind of aficionados on Instagram stuff, you, this will be the realm that you're like, oh, that's where it's at. And it is, an extremely, it is extremely important because it does teach you to work with heavy loads and whatnot. Um, however... I would say that there is for beginner lifters and I don't like the term lifters because I like a lot of body weight shit, right? Sure. And I feel like it's exclusive of that. So for beginner, like strength, whatever, folk, um, sometimes that realm's hard because you're trying to do heavy lift but you haven't actually developed great coordination of the movements, right? Yeah. And in that way, it's sometimes handier for, for those people to be working slightly higher reps. So now we're talking like between 8 and 12. Sure. And this is where we go into the more hypertrophy, right, or bodybuilding type realm. Definitely. And I think what appeals to people about um, – well, also, when, when you are lifting heavier, if your technique is not sound, the chance of injury is higher, right? Yeah. So it's really important. We put Bigger the, risk. We put the caveat on there that you make sure your technique is good and maybe you need a coach to help you with this. As we know, we get coaching for jiu-jitsu. It's definitely worthwhile for you to 
you know, if you know someone's a reputable PT or a, a weightlifting coach to book in with them and get some advice on your technique. Definitely don't talk to us about that. <laughs> he said reputable. Do no. not get in touch. No. <laughs> don't, don't download the app. No, never. It's not worth it. I mean, join 5,000 other people who are loving it and doing it right now. Um, no. <laughs> what, what I want to say with this is I started in hypertrophy because I wanted to, be, I wanted to look buff. Like I was like in the 90s, being buff was cool. We all started in hypertrophy because that's what everyone's doing at the yeah, gym. Like that's like, the classic gym thing, right? Just grab some dumbbells. It's 12. Yeah. Tables. Like it's, it's pretty safe. And really the feedback is fairly simple in terms of like, oh, did I get pumped? Like, did I get that pump sensation? Yeah. What they've shown over time, like there's been so many different studies to show that you can grow muscle lifting in the lower reps as much as you can get muscle, you can build muscle in the higher reps, working 15 plus reps. But really the things that support it are the eating and the sleeping. There's different discussions about muscular tension, time under tension, muscle damage, that like Luke Tullock. Maybe we come to these... We'll come, we'll come yeah, because I think these elements are overarching for, for all of it, for, right? For all of it. I, I guess what we'd say is like if you are looking to build muscle, the, the classic or the, the almost cliche in a way rep range is anywhere from six repetitions up to 12, 15. But then in some programs, depending on what you're doing, you might be doing 20 reps at the end of that. But then we're, we're kind of crossing over into slightly different territory in terms of muscular endurance. Just to give you some clarity, hypertrophy as a word just refers to muscle growth. Hypergrowth, yeah. Yeah, so just something getting bigger. Yeah. Okay, so that's that kind of mid-range, 6 to 15 type vibe. Now let's talk about the upper end of that, which is muscular endurance or strength endurance. Yeah, so strength endurance is just something most people don't want to talk about because it, it hurts. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Uh, when you start getting into, um, say, I was exposed to this through kettlebells, through timed sets, yeah. where it was like, do this for five minutes. I was like, what's the sets and reps, bro? Yeah. No, no, no. no. There's one five set. Five or it's, it's, <laughs> it's five minutes. You just have to keep going. No, stop. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think I can last two minutes. What? This is crazy. And so it was kettlebell swings for five minutes. I was like, I couldn't believe it. And it just opened my mind up because when you first start doing anything uh, in training, just being able to do 10 of a certain weight or movement will be a challenge. And then doing multiple sets of that will be a challenge. When you start getting into strength endurance, you want to definitely be working with much lighter weights. So potentially when we're talking about percentage of body weight or anything like that, depending on the movement, um, you know, it might only be – 15 or 20% of your body weight if it's a kettlebell or or even if you – so for some of you out there, pull-ups might be really tough. But yeah. if you're in the military and you've done pull-ups your whole life, you know, you're like, oh, well, let's just do 100 pull-ups. It's like, what? Who can do 100 pull-ups? This CrossFit class sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. But what is fantastic about this is working with the much kind of lower loads or lower stimulus, whether it's your body weight or a kettlebell – and, and working for these higher higher reps, you are really challenging your body's ability to deliver oxygen to the muscles and kind of keep it going because you're going to produce lactate. You're going to pump out. And then it's really on your body's ability to help break down lactate and to pyruvate and, and just keep going. This is incredibly tough, guys. That's why no one does it. Almost no one does strength endurance work because it sucks. Like yeah, it's, it's painful. So but it's so good. Absolutely. So, you know, you think about the relationship between like we got the heavy strength stuff at one end, we got the strength endurance stuff at the other end, and in the middle there's the hypertrophy, right, muscle gain yeah. thing. 
Something that's characteristic of that is if you think about the skill component of the exercises you're using, you are generally not going to be using high skill exercises at the strength endurance end no. because it's a lot of repetition. So think of a high skill exercise. It might be kettlebell snatch, might be a barbell snatch or it might be any form of Olympic weightlifting. Mm. Um, but even like single leg type ex- exercises, right? Yeah. Turkish get-ups, single leg Romanian deadlifts, whatever. These are tricky exercises that involve quite a bit of coordination. And so they are best used towards the lower end of the rep ranges. Uh, when you get to that strength endurance stuff, you want to be working more simple stuff, right? Push-ups, pull-ups, oh, you know, push-ups, rows, yes. you know, whatever, squats, deadlifts, that kind of thing, Jump swings. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're looking at this from a programming perspective, you want to think, all right, that shit should be simple because all I want to focus on is the output. Yeah, you don't want to have to think. Exactly. Thinking's out the door. You're exhausted, so and, you have and, to just And if going. you think of your standard like most of CrossFit – it sits up towards that end, right? Like the conditioning work. If you think of like your classic boot camp type approach, it sits up that end. It's like a lot of fucking reps of some very simple movements and no rest. Yes. Right now, it's great, right? Maybe now we can talk about like sort of how the three of them interact. Yes. It's great to have that strength endurance, but if you don't have a base of strength, yes, you're not actually going to be able to perform that particularly no. well. I think the phrase goes... Before you can have endurance for strength, you must have strength to endure. Something like that. So, for example, if you can't walk, you cannot run. So, you can't have that conversation. If you can't do one pull-up, you can't do 100. Yeah. So, there needs to be a base level there. I think where we're talking about here is, for example, if you're someone who really struggles with, like, people always hitting us up about conditioning. People always like, oh, like, how do I get fitter? You know, I'm thinking about starting swimming or yo, I'm thinking about I'm I'm going to run a half marathon. It's like you can do all these things and you're kind of – you're working around the edges but you're not actually getting to the heart of it. Whereas if you went to a wrestling class and you literally have to do shadow wrestling where you kind of do motions and then they go, shoot, sprawl. And it's just just whenever the coach commands, you have to do this dynamic action – and for most people, once you're familiar with wrestling, shooting and sprawling are very fundamental motions when, once you're familiar. And to be able to do them well when you're tired is, is brutal. That is very specific conditioning to grappling. And that is strength endurance. You have to keep performing these movements over and over and over again under complete fatigue. Now, we're not going to go really hard into energy systems, but you could say that in a wrestling class, you might shoot and sprawl hundreds, 100 times, if not more. That is absolutely the epitome of strength endurance. There's huge benefits into what that will do for helping you improve your circulation, uh, your overall recovery, and uh, basically not, not that you will get more skilled in that way, but you will develop efficiency by doing these multiple, multiple reps. Now I'm going to throw back pretty hard for a second here to old school Tudor Bomper. For those of you out there who are in the world of SNC, you're familiar with his textbook, which is this thick. But there's this classic old kind of double helix, which is like the, the first form of periodization. Now, Russians claim it, but maybe Germans did it. Who knows? But basically at the bottom, you have weight. And at the top, you have reps. And they cross over. So they're kind of meeting and then they start to come in. And then the weight starts to increase and the reps start to go down. They meet in the middle. This middle spot is hypertrophy. And then they start to cross over and then the weight gets really high and the reps get really low. And this is the most basic form. Now, there are some numbers around that, 
similar to what you're saying with the strength continuum. But this was the idea that they took athletes from like five years old, gave them a broomstick and made them do snatches, you know, and made them do high pulls and all these things. And that over time as they became teenagers and their hormones kicked in or maybe they gave them some supplements in, the, in Russia. Um, Golden era. <laughs> yeah, well, Markachev. Oh, we had supplements. Hey, Coach, give say supplements. Ah, oh, wrestle. Markachev, are you pointing the finger? Right. You haven't heard the conspiracy about all that? Markachev? That Markachev has just been on steroids since he was a kid? His no. whole life? No. no. Oh, no, in Russia, we just, yeah, these supplements. Oh, yeah. Jules, is there any basis to this claim? Bro, we, we're getting off topic here. <laughs> just, just Google Markachev steroids. The, the whole internet's talking about it because it's like, yeah, we, it gives water and gives, uh, you know, vitamins. <laughs> and, but we all know yeah, yeah. that has been juicing their athletes for as that long as do. they've been competing, right? So yeah. anyway, to the side. So once they hit their kind of teen years, they start to up the weight a bit and reduce the volume a bit. And then as they start to turn into fully fledged adults, then they start to give them the heavier weights and the lower reps, but they've got like 15 years of skill under their belt. Yeah. So how does this apply to you? If you haven't done any kind of lifting or training before, you've got to think about what is the right tool for the job? That's, that's usually what I ask somebody. Someone's like, oh, what program should I do? So if we just um, very briefly relate this back to our program. So we have SWOL, which is the hypertrophy program. We have our Strength 101. And then we have Muscle Cardio. Plus, plus. And so – if you're like, oh, what do I want to go with this? If you are somebody who hasn't really trained ever, I would actually recommend Swole. I actually think hypertrophy is a really safe, sweet spot to get familiar with technique. There's enough volume in there to get the skill practice. You're not lifting really heavy, so you can just get accustomed to that. And it's a good way to get some newbie gains because when you first start, that first 6 to 12 weeks is amazing. Yeah. You just um, – Dude, that first six, six to 12 months. Mate, if, everything if works. You, yeah, if you've not been training, you jump into a consistent process and oh, for sure. You get so strong. You get so – you're like, oh, this is magic, this strength training business. Um, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, hypertrophy, that sort of range is a great place to start. I think that, you know, um, the other side of it is in often it, it doesn't matter too much, right? Yes. And, this is, and this is the reality is that like – if you're jumping in, you're like, oh, look, i got a friend and they do five by fives. They love doing – jump in and do that and you're new to it, you will get stronger and you will put on muscle mass. Yes. Or you got a friend that's doing like boot camp stuff in the park, you will get a bit stronger, you will build a bigger gas tank and you're probably going to put on some muscle mass. Like it all works, right? And this is where it's important. Like we want to pass on the science to you guys. And if you really dig into it, yeah, the science is the science. But for, for most of us and our people – it doesn't matter that much because most of us are just not doing any strength training. No. Right? Or we're doing some but we're not particularly consistent. Yes. So the main thing would be get consistent, do something and you will notice gains. Yeah. But absolutely, I, I would agree with that, that, that the hypertrophy realm, that kind of 6 to 15 reps is a really good spot to start because the loads aren't super high. No. The exercises aren't super hard. Mm. But they're, they're also not easy, right? There's a skill, there's a skill curve there. You're going to have to get good at it. Um, but it's a great sort of realm to just sort of build your base in. Yeah, And there, as you were saying before, Joe, we kind of got a bit diverted there, but there is an interplay between all of these. So, for example, if you do more hypertrophy-based training and you are trying to build muscle, this will help your strength training. Like when you switch, like if you spend time putting on a bit of muscle, you've gotten a, you feel like, yeah, I'm stronger. I've, I've built muscle. 
what's the difference? I'm stronger. But when you then take that new capacity that you've built to a more classic, um, you know, lower rep, higher weight thing, you've got more to work with. You've got more cross-sectional size. So your capacity to get stronger is higher. Yeah. In the same way, and this is probably underrated, if you do a block of um, strength endurance training, the way this was explained to me actually by um, uh, is it Steve Butaji, Mark Butaji, he has his own um, strength institute. Really, ah, uh, yeah, great, great strength conditioning coach in Australia. I learned some of my advanced lifts from him when I first started. Really smart guy. Um, he was talking about pipes going into a house. So he's like, imagine you're having a party in a house, um, but there's only one door. And everyone's trying to get in the house. And there's also no doors out. There's only one door in, one door out. Also, there's one toilet. But the pipe is small and it gets clogged. You're at a party. That's a problem. Also, there's only one tap and one sink. He's like, this is a crappy muscle. That's what that house is. If you're trying to throw a big party, which is have big performance, make that muscle do lots of hard work, whether it's jiu-jitsu, running, you know, triathlons, all this stuff, you want to make sure you've got heaps of doors in, heaps of doors out, you want to have heaps of taps, sinks, lots of toilets. Like essentially when you build strength endurance, you also improve capillarization. So you improve the delivery systems. It's much easier for blood to get into the muscle. It's also much easier for you to get rid of the waste products. So I don't know if you ever see like – if you look at the legs of like a Tour de France cyclist and you look at how vascular they are – Horse legs. It's crazy, right? Because they have produced so much volume of work – they need that delivery system to be really good. So if you do a block of strength endurance training, when you come to do hypertrophy or you come to do strength training, the delivery mechanisms for getting nutrition to the muscle, oxygen to the muscle are way better. So it'll be far easier for you to recover the whole kit and caboodle. So that's why originally when we programmed, we had these cycles kind of worked together so that you could benefit from all of them. But what we found was actually people didn't stick to the whole program <laughs> it was like two years long yeah yeah people might do three to six months and they're like yeah i want to change, change this up so i think at least from what i know from the feedback we got from our people that's why we chose to kind of separate it in the way we did yeah yeah someone actually asked me yesterday one of the users she, she said oh look i was doing that i was really far into it could i just do two cycles of swole then two cycles of muscardia i'm like that's great do that yeah. like that's an awesome way to do it it's a good idea the specifics of what you do don't matter too much. But if, there, if there's one thing we know, it's that being strong and having some muscle mass is really important to support everything else you want to do. If we can think of the example of like someone who's weak and is not particularly coordinated, and, and you see this, you'll see someone that will like roll into a jiu-jitsu class and they, you know, they don't have an athletic background and they're like, oh, I just you know, I want to get involved. If you get that person doing like hundreds of you're just saying like in a wrestling in a stand-up class hundreds of sprawls hundreds of shots their body's not in a good position to do that kind of work safely it won't hold up under the rigors right the joints are not protected there's just a lack of uh stability there's a lack of kind of uh strength to the structure as a whole so if we take that person and we go hey do some basic strength training five reps ten reps doesn't fucking matter yeah. just get get strong and basic through these positions when we throw that person a few months later into this high repetition stuff, now they have a little bit more structure. They're a bit more robust. And I think that that's a really important thing to consider for yourself is like do you have that robustness, yeah. right? Before you worry about conditioning and, and I want to build a bigger gas tank and I want the high reps, 
So, man, get get strong, get stable, make sure the, the structure is fortified. Yep. And then, okay, then you can start to fuck with this capacity stuff. Fortify yourself, fool. Um, so, I mean, that was the original structure, right? We, we had put it as hypertrophy for a good three months, which is two cycles. Going to get some good gains there. Yep. Evolve that into some strength, like just your lower repetition, slightly heavier weight. That's another three months under your belt. You've done a good six months of training. That's a pretty good start for you to then, if you want to do strength endurance, you can. And the idea of cycling through these was in the name of people not getting too stale or yeah. too stuck. Diversity. Yeah, to, to, to mix up the stimulus. But um, there's one frequently asked question. Sorry please, to cut you off. Please. I know that people are going to say, what standards? Like where's that sit? Oh, okay. Right. And, and here's the deal with standards program. The standards program evolves as you do. And so what you will see is that for a given exercise as you progress – it will go through this different, these different areas of stimulus. So sometimes it'll be low reps, you'll be getting strong, and then as you've mastered that, it'll move more to a hypertrophy realm, then it will move more to an endurance realm, and then it will jump back. Yeah. So in that way, it's like that program is just evolving as you do. Man, standards is, it's so awesome. I don't, and I'm not saying this, this is not like a pat on the back. The reason why I say this is, everyone develops at different rates, right? And so even between Joey and myself, I know there's certain things I do that will get stronger week on week on week. It doesn't matter what I do. Every time I show up, I get better. And then there's some stuff that doesn't. There's stuff, for me particularly, hip and lower body stuff gets stronger all the time. Upper body, no. Shoulders, pull-ups. And, you know, people might say, it's because you got a fat ass. Say, yeah, maybe I do. No, it's <laughs> – so what? I see you, Myron. Shut up. Um, Stay tuned for the next episode. <laughs> but it's really – I find shoulders is the hardest thing for me. So anything to do with pressing, handstanding, even backbending. Oh, man, it's really tough for me in that way. And so what's cool with standards is you can actually – uh, progress the movements you're getting better at but then you stay working at the level you're at for the things you're not as good at and i think the dynamic nature of that's actually perfect so if you've got someone who like i think joe's great with the handstand great with the upper body stuff if his upper body stuff is improving way faster than mine his program will reflect that yeah you know what i mean like i think if it's something like that so there is a degree of individualization there which is it's pretty cool now we shouldn't go into these right now, but just as a note, overarching concept. Yes. None of that training stuff means shit if you're not eating right and recovering right. Yeah. You got to eat well and you got to be recovering well in order to support your training, right? So you can be doing all the sciencey, I'm hitting this many reps and I'm following this program, but if you sleep like shit, you eat like shit, it, none of it works. You got to do the program, guys. And that's the thing. The program isn't just, oh, I got in the gym today. That's not what it is. Why would you save money and then you're like oh i've got a hundred bucks here oh, i'm just gonna set it on fire what why did you even save it in the first place like you've got to think that you've done this workout to put your body in a position to then get better afterwards you're not actually you're not getting stronger at the time you're breaking your body down the part where you get stronger is when you sleep is when you eat so if you're putting crappy building blocks in there you're not going to build a great building and in the same way, if you don't let the concrete set, then you're not going to have a strong structure. You're like, well, eh, it's kind of set. Let's just load it up. <laughs> Crumble. It's really important that, and this is the hardest thing, and don't get me wrong, I'm impatient. I'm impatient as anyone. 
But I do understand that it's going to take me two days to bounce back. So I'm not going to rush that. And, and it's because my goal is to be strong. So if you actually say you want to get stronger or you say you want to build muscle, make sure you do the actual things which are going to help build the thing you want. Now we've got a voicemail. Oh, yeah. This one has actually come through in two parts and uh, we're just going to play the first part because time is of the essence. Um, but also I think the, the, the message is articulated well. Um, sender's name is Big Harris. Big Harris. Hey, how we doing today, fellas? You guys are awesome. You guys rock. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Appreciate you guys very much. Um, got a question about big man jujitsu. Uh, I'm six foot ten, three hundred fifty pounds, Oof. a white belt. Had my first comp uh, last month, and I actually beat a purple belt heavyweight. Um, it seems like when you get to the bigger weight classes. People don't really care about your achievement. It's just like, oh, you're big and strong. You should be able to do that. You know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn at all. Um, I have tapped a couple of brown belts and multiple purple belts, blue belts. You know, I feel like I can roll with anybody, but they just chop it up to, you know, you're big and strong and you can bench press people and you can elevate people. So what can I do as a big guy to really elevate my game to the point where it will be respected well, I'm not just, you know, wrestling and wrist control and turtle breakdown and just staying heavy on a guy and winning. I want to actually get that respect from my skill. I'm tired of being the, the big guy that's good at jujitsu because he's big and strong and knows how to wrestle. I want to be able to actually have that respect from my skills. I've been training two years in a gi, uh, six months now in a no gi. Um, you guys rock, please. If you could do an episode about big man jujitsu. And what we can do other than side control, straight on lock, Kimura, Americana, north, south, and rear naked, let me know. Thank you. Amazing. Big Harris, what Big a Harris. legend. I'm just Joey trying to... Diaz in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Joyzy Jiu-Jitsu. I'm trying to imagine just having Big Harris walk into one of my classes be like, oh, my God. Fuck this guy. This is going to be so tough, <laughs> right? So on the second part of his message, he just mentioned his coaches encouraged him to play more Jiu-Jitsu. And he's like, how do I do that? Yeah. Right. And this is this is a dilemma, right? You can see it, you'd be like, fuck, you're big, you are strong. And naturally there's certain certain techniques, old school ones, that are gonna really work well for you. These are a lot of the techniques that I've relied on, I'm sure. Same sure. for you, right? There there is this thing, big guy, big person jujitsu. But what he's saying is I don't want to be labeled that guy. I actually want to have good jujitsu. I, I think because for some people it's quite hard, um, this idea of play, because you're trying to strangle each other. It's hard to turn that into play, right? Especially if you're a competitive, you're a big guy and you're trying to make it happen. I'm going to say play guard because all the things he described are top game. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, Put yourself in a position where your weight is not really your being used advantage. to its maximum effect. But if you have really long legs, right, you think about Hodger Gracie. Hodger Gracie is a really big human. He's a big frame guy, really long legs. Close guard is something there. The thing that I do if I'm trying to not beat the living hell out of my partner is don't submit them. Control the role. Like see how many points you can rack up. Sweep them. Let them regard on you or you guard them or you let them pass you. Like I guess what I'd say my advice is one, play guard to cultivate playing off your back because that is always harder when you're bigger. And then um, the other thing on that is tr not – it's not don't try to win. You're still trying to execute your jujitsu. Do not submit them. 
Like roll as well as you can and don't actively try and submit them. Just look to keep exchanging position because that's going to give them a chance to move and it's going to force you to not just just Americana everyone. <laughs> yeah, and don't don't let yourself stall any positions. No, stay moving. Yeah, like like I know, right? Like if I if I pass on another guy that's that's kind of, you know, buff. Um <laughs> if I get to side control and I'm trying to win, I'm fucking hanging in side control and I'm I'm consolidating this position. I'm very particular about when I move and when I progress and where I want to go to next. But the reality is that's going to be 3 minutes of me staying in the one position or us yeah. staying in the same position. Yeah. So that if I'm if my goal is to not be using my size and my strength, I want to be opening up the game a bit more and looking for movement. So I think if you're finding yourself in those positions, Harris, um, it's time to like, all right, how do I where do I transition to from here? Can I go north south? Can I go knee ride? Can I mount? Can I look to take the back? Like start to initiate movement. You'll fuck up. Yeah. You'll lose position, but in enabling this movement, I think you'll learn more. We had a big guy, Ryan, at uh, my old gym in, in Melbourne at King's. Shout out. Hope he's listening. He does stump grinding for a job. Right on. He's about 6'3". He'd be about, yes, probably 200. Yeah, almost 300 pounds type guy. Um, he was doing birambolos. <laughs> it was crazy. You just see big guy. You're like, oh, Jesus. Sits the guard, gets the pants. Whoop. Inverting. You're like, oh, big Ryan. Like... And take a bit. People just didn't expect that from him. But he's like, no, I'm trying to show my skill. You know, and I think when you display something that doesn't require your physical control over your opponent, but more physical control over yourself, that's when people are like, yo, that's skillful. Or like, whoa, that guy moves well. And that usually speaks a bit more to flexibility, as Joey, as you were saying, movement in general, less crush, more movement. I think when you start to do that, then you get a big guy who can move well. And I think this is what has made Bushesha so dominant. Yeah. But that's kind of scary. And then and you save your crush top game for competition. Yeah. Right? When, or when it matters, you're like, all right, I go back to my A game. But you 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 consciously try to play the stuff that you're less familiar with. Yeah, and don't do any strength training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just running and swimming, that's it. Yeah, just weaken yourself. Don't eat any meat. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the voicemail, man. Hey, guys, if you want to ask a question, get it featured on the show, go to the website, bulletproofforbjj.com, click podcast, and you can leave us a voicemail there. Um, and, hey, appreciate you guys, everyone who's watching on YouTube. Thank you. Uh, if you could please subscribe, that goes a long way, helping us to get more support. And whatever platform you're listening on, please follow our show. And give us a rating, guys. This is what helps our visibility. Um, we've got – Lots of you out there, you're awesome. We appreciate the hell out of all of you, whether it's YouTube or Spotify or wherever you're hearing this. But we need those ratings because otherwise other people in Jiu-Jitsu cannot find us. So please make that effort only if you're going to give us five stars. If you think we're four stars, keep it to yourself. If you think you're five stars, we are five stars. Hit that button, hit those five stars. We would really appreciate it. Cheers, fam. See you next week. Bye.